0: What's going on? Welcome to the eighth episode of the Breaking the Guard podcast with your hosts Robert Drysdale and myself, David Avalon. On today's episode, we're very fortunate to have a a really just remarkable young man. I hadn't met him before this and having this conversation with him was really enlightening and very inspiring. And I'm talking about Three time IBGF Black Belt World Champion Mikey Musumesi. Uh, he's only 23 years old and he's already got three world titles under his belt and they're very competitive lightweight divisions. And uh, he's been training since four years old, if you can imagine that. And not just like anything, he's been training jiu jitsu from four years old. So even though he's only 23, he's got more experience than most people. You know, like he's got just about a few years shy of me and I'm 38. So at this time. So it's quite remarkable. He's very wise, got a lot of insights, and it was a very fun interview. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this podcast. Before we get started, I'd like to thank one of our sponsors, which is the Back Attack Series. The Back Attack Series is the brainchild of one of my black belts, Jason Suarez, who at this time is a 14 0 undefeated MMA fighter and a FILA world champion in grappling. He's just a phenomenal grappler, and he's really done well to adapt the style to MMA. And one of his key attributes is he is so great at taking people's backs and finishing. Uh, out of his 14 fights, he's got 12 submission finishes, and I believe like eight or nine of those are rear naked chokes or or finishing with off the back. His last fight actually was finished by an armbar from the back mount. So this series really goes into a lot of detail of how to finish. Uh, from the back, particularly attacking with chokes. Uh, I think there's just 12 different techniques alone just focusing on rear naked finishes. So if you think you know the rear naked choke, you don't. <laughs> I know I learned stuff from Jason just from him teaching this series. Uh, again, it's a really, really uh, powerful series and he's shown at work. And if you've ever had problems finishing someone from the back, this is the course for you. And I think pretty much everybody can raise their hands if having trouble finishing people from the back. All right, so you can check out the course by visiting the website, backattacks.com. Again, that's backattacks, that's plural, dot com. And you can also get access to free videos there and try before you buy. So go ahead, visit backattacks.com.
1: This is episode eight of Breaking the Guard. We um, have a very special guest here, uh, Mike Musumeci, baddest guy in the lightweight division in the BJJ world. Mikey, welcome.
0: Thank you for having me. Yeah, you know, I think uh, you're one of the American world champions. We got Rob being the second one, so it's pretty cool that both of you guys are there. Now, I'm American myself, so yeah. <laughs> represent, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> um, but I wanted to start off with you because you're a lightweight I know going into the martial arts, usually there's a reason that you jumped into it. I know like for myself, with self-defense purposes, I was getting bullied in school and stuff like that. And I saw a lot of stuff. So I'm just wondering like your origin story, so to speak, like how you got into the martial arts. Yeah,
2: so um, my dad always loved like MMA and UFC. And um, since I could crawl, I was watching UFC. Oh, nice. So uh, my dad liked training Muay Thai. And there was a local like MMA jiu-jitsu gym by my house. And I was about four years old, and I oh wow, you I, started really I, early. I, yeah, so I've been training since I could walk. And that is
0: badass. See, that, that's like yeah. the, the the this next generation. How old are you, Mikey, I'm right now 23. Yeah, man, you're yeah. super young. So yeah, like you're the, the future, right? Like yeah. when I was start, I started like uh, 15, I think. And I always thought to myself, man, I wish I could have started younger.
2: Yeah. And, <laughs> here's, the, the here's the thing you about get. starting young
1: and we, we and D- david touched on this briefly a while ago is that everyone thinks oh start your kids young it's the best and i think for a school for life i think it's important having bjj or in sports in general but as far as coming out like craft like crafting a world champion i think the reason why you started at four and you went on with it and you're still you're going to be in this for the rest of your life most likely is because you, deep down in there that's who you are like you know i think that a lot of people start training as teenagers and then they stick to it because at that age you kind of like you're there because you want to be there.
2: But when or you're forced to be there, you Yeah, don't want
1: to. exactly. As a your child, you're, you're there because your parents are, you know, But taking, my parents the, the never forced me. I think that's why that's I exactly, stuck to it. That's exactly.
2: Yeah, it's exactly like you, you 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 wanted to be there. It was, it was fun cool. for me. And uh but I would also agree with what you said. Yeah, I think you said it that um I didn't really start like like thinking about being a world champion or anything until I was about 10, 11, mm-hmm. you know. Just those early years were like hobby for, like a hobby for me. But um, I feel like this training, since I'm so young, my body got molded with Jiu Jitsu. Like, my body just moves in like from Jiu Jitsu. You know what I mean? Like, just all those years, your body just is deformed almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hey, you're making all these adaptations Yeah, Jiu because you exactly. doing it
1: for so long. Absolutely. So,
2: like, your first art was Jiu Jitsu then? That's it. Okay. You, been any other sports. Been, uh, I used to play baseball outside with friends, and uh, that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so it has been jiu the whole way through. And like, I'm just curious because my brother, he's got three kids, and he's having a little bit of that struggle to get them in, but at the same time he's trying to do that balance where he doesn't want to force them to do it. Yeah. But then he's trying to dangle the fruit to get them in there. So lately what he's been doing, he's been putting them to watch martial art movies. So he's got them the, on the Karate yeah. Kid, Ninja Turtles, and now, like, every time they watch it, they're like, oh, I want to do more training. Yeah, there we you go. So thing. he's trying to play. So I'm curious, like, how
2: did your parents uh, do your know, position? So, again, like, so when I trained in New Jersey, I had a friend, like, my best friend that I went to school with trained also. So it was more of, like, a hobby with my friends. So I think that's what kept me in it. I feel like if you don't have friend, like, your friends don't train. It's like hard to stay. it's gonna be hard to stay. Yeah,
1: that's why like, if you create those bonds inside the gym, going to the gym is easy. Then it can make it easy. Yeah, exactly. Is, you know? like, mm-hmm. you want to go to the gym just to see your friends. It's a form of socialization
2: as yes. well as training. Yes. Yeah,
1: I think that's. I think that's. I always say this. I think that's the main reason why people are so drawn to this is because it creates a lot of these social networks and bonds exactly. that really people want to come back. Not just that the art is incredible, but it's a fun place. The gym is a fun place to go to.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when you go to the gym, you should feel like, oh, I can't wait, like to train, and like when the time is done, you should be like, oh man, now I gotta go home. Yeah, <laughs> it shouldn't be like when you get to the gym. Oh man, I have an hour of training. This sucks, right? Yeah, it's not a yeah, workout. Yeah. It doesn't not, shouldn't no, it feel, doesn't like
1: that. feel like a workout. It feels it's like part of your day. It's you know it's something. It's you an enjoyment. Of yeah, your, exactly. Yes.
0: I think it was like kind of a. And I was talking about when he did his interview, where when he had people, he was excited to train with the night before. Be oh, I can't wait for the guy to come. I want him to yeah. come so I could train. <laughs> I thought, yeah. Like that's how it, that's how it should be, yeah. right? Where you're excited to show up to exactly. training. So, so Mike, you've been—I mean, you've been in the gym. So you're 23
1: now. You're 24. So 19 years—a long time. 19. Um, how do you feel as far as mentally and physically? As in, like, does Jiu-Jitsu still mean to you? I mean, you mentioned at 11, 12, you wanted to be a world champ. So, something changed. Yes. Right? Is that, that, so, the 11, 12-year-old Mikey is different from the 9-year-old Mikey. How does the 23-year-old the Mikey feel about Jiu-Jitsu today mentally and physically? I want to hear both sides. Okay.
2: So, um, it took me a while. Like, when I first won the Blackfoot Worlds, the first time, I almost quit Jiu-Jitsu because I felt like I was just – my whole goal was just to win Blackfoot Worlds. And – I, I hated training. I, I had the mindset where I just, I was focused on a goal instead of what I, the, I had the wrong reasons I was training. I was training to try to win something instead of training for the lifestyle, training to enjoy training like when I was a kid. When I was a kid, my favorite thing in the world was just to watch videos and I had a stuffed animal in my room. And I would drill on the stuffed animal moves because I was just so <laughs> That's excited incredible. to train. That's amazing. You know? I, I was I already excited. I would
1: pay to see that.
2: I would. Like, I, I no wanna see you pictures. drill it exactly. You have a of you drilling the it there. I might. I might. That's awesome. It was this long dog stuffed animal that was yeah. bigger than me because I was so small, <laughs> and I was just trying to like do things... Trying to drill x card, trying to that's drill... Incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. It's got to be the greatest story of ever. Drilling with a nightmare.
0: But that, that's yeah. awesome that what you yeah. mentioned, because me and Robert actually were just talking about this the other yeah. day, which is that when you set your goals and you accomplish them, there is sometimes a crisis
2: point. Like, what's next? What do next? you do? Yeah. Because yeah. your goal shouldn't be a goal. That's what I, I had to learn the hard way. I feel like in life, um, the best way to learn things is making mistakes. Yeah. And um, I really had the wrong mindset when I won Worlds the first time. And it was just because since I was like 14, 15, in my mind, I was always like, okay, if I win Black Belt Worlds, I'll be happy. So then I won Blue Belt. Every year I won the Worlds consecutively. Uh, uh, 2016 only no gi, but then 17, 18, 19, all gi. And uh, every year I won the Worlds in Blue Belt. blue belt. I was was like, okay, the next year I'm going to be, I won Blue Belt Worlds. Okay, Purple Belt. I I didn't feel anything, but I was like, okay, when I get the Black Belt, I'm going to be happy. So then I won Purple Belt Worlds, and then I got my Brown Belt on the podium. Okay, now I'm going to be happy when I win Black Belt Worlds. Next year, Brown Belt, Black Belt on the podium. Then um, when I won Black Belt Worlds, I felt nothing. And I was just like, man, like this is what I built up in my mind so much that was going to change my life. Like I'm going to feel so so much different. So two questions
1: now. What's the next goal? Because you've achieved your main goal of being a Black Belt World champion. And then I'm going to follow that up with another question. Because I think that's, I want to try to get to something. Yes. Yeah.
2: Okay. So my next goal, I really don't live life with goals anymore. Um, I have obviously every day I'm going a hundred percent effort and I feel like every opportunity that happens is going to happen and I'm not going to know exactly. I, I can't control the opportunities that are going to happen, Yeah. but it, they're just going to come. Yeah. That's why I've noticed how life is now. I keep seeing it over and over. Everything that happens to me, it just happens. And uh, I can't overthink the future. Living in the moment. Yes, living in the moment. Uh, obviously, I'm super neurotic and OCD and obsessive. Like It's really hard for me to live in the moment. But I'm at the point where I could accept that, yeah. where I just have to work hard every day. And I think that um, one thing I would like to, just one thing I think as a goal of mine in competition today is just to show like a respectful side of jiu-jitsu and show like not all the blackboard world champions have to like open their gi, their chest, and like, uh, be, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, know, exactly. I feel, Thank like, you. Thank I feel you. like, I feel like, I feel like, why does a medal give someone the right to like have the act above other people and just act like it? You know what I mean? This is a wise man. You're too smart for your age. There's yeah, <laughs> yeah, so much
0: wisdom here. I mean, I'm
1: sure no, you, you.
2: Yes, everything you're right. saying makes
0: perfect sense. I, mean, I agree with you. We've 100%. talked about these similar all things the time, all the yeah. time. But what's interesting what you said because you've been training. You're you're very young. You're 23. But you've been training for but 19 I'm like years. Old. I'm like old, yes. but I'm young. You know yeah. what I mean? Because you've trained for so long. Like, I I consider myself been in the game a long time, but I'm 24 years. So I'm not that much far yeah. ahead of you. But the lessons that you learn on the mat are very deep lessons. So much. That transcends. So it's showing your wisdom. Like, just the fact that you, you've learned from an early age that achieving your goal is not the end all things, right? Like, we talk about this, like it's... And people you, live their
2: life not knowing that. Yes, because know? most
0: people never reach their goals and they think... Oh, you know, my life sucked because I didn't reach the goal. I'm like, no, it, you couldn't get it. Like oh, yeah, Rob said the same thing. You know, he wanted to, absolutely okay. Now what? Like, if you're yeah. hungry, you're gonna still be hungry when yeah. you've, you've had that one meal. And people yeah. don't
1: people skip that, man. Like, this is why I, I I wanted to follow this this theme up It's like I'm so glad you said because that's exactly the answer I was trying to get out of you. I'm like, I think this is what Mac is gonna say. But you you said something I can live with that. Like, I can accept it. And to me, that shows so much wisdom because. Their, ambition is a thing that is infinite. You know this perfectly well. There's no such thing as you're, you can win 15 Black Bull World titles, Mike, and I guarantee you you're going to feel the exact same way you feel now. It's, it's not going to change. You're going to feel happy and content for the day. But if I think I know, I think I know you well enough to go, it's going to last about 24 hours. You're going to be in the cloud. And then the next day. And then the next day you're like, what's next? So here's my question to you. What is what is happiness to you? Like where where's Mikey's happiness in jujitsu? Like where is is there an end to okay. like, okay, this is the ultimate.
2: So when I almost stopped training, like when I won Worlds and I almost quit jiu-jitsu because I just hated training, yeah. I went back to myself and I was like, What did, why did I like jiu-jitsu? Yeah. And I I tried to become the kid again that I was like drilling with a stuffed animal, like excited to just learn and excited to just figure out new positions so um happiness for me is going to the gym training and figuring out new positions and just drilling and i don't really um the goal winning worlds is always my goal of course but uh how i see winning worlds now is just showing me that the positions i'm work that i'm practicing and training that i'm on the right track with them that i have answers to all my opponents reactions yeah because that's essentially what jujitsu is, right? We have our position, they have their reaction to our position. Yeah. If we have an answer to their reaction, our position should work. Yes. If we don't have an answer to their reaction, that means that our position's flawed. Yes. And we have to figure out an answer to their reaction. There's a way out. Yes. I, I always that's look. the only thing I enjoy yeah. about competing is that. And, and
1: it's, it's a, such a more, it's a more noble and it's a more realistic goal too. Because winning worlds is not fulfilling. Like I said, it's fulfilling for the moment, but what you're describing is infinite. You can be 80 years old, and you're still. Good. And let's say you could be on the mat when you're 80. Let's say you had the health to do that, right? You would still be discovering things. Yeah, exactly. And It's, it's an infinite goal, and then when you have a goal, that's the, it's like the, the yeah, exactly. Like, it's like the finish line keeps moving. I think that's really where happiness lies. You have meaning, you have an objective, but you never quite really get to it. Like it's always like a, it's the chase that makes you happy. Yes, yeah, for me, like my happiest days in jiu-jitsu you know? were dreaming about. Achieving things was try- working to achieve things, not the achievement itself. Exactly the work, the yeah.
2: process.
0: The process of is the best there. part of yeah. it. Yeah, because I could just buy a medal online. Yeah, and I could tell everybody, "Hey, I, I won this," and most people wouldn't know. Yeah. That doesn't bring any real satisfaction, though. You know, it's like you said, it's the adversity you have to overcome that makes that journey
2: And like what you just said, like uh, you could tell people that you won the medal, like also like what I've learned is not really caring what other people view you as, or like see, like you have to have self happiness in yourself, right? You're not winning a medal to make people like you or to see you differently, because the people that see you differently because of a medal aren't people you want in your life. Correct. Like if you lose a competition, if you had friends before and then you lost, would you want someone in your life that is different toward you? And you but win or lose. I, I'm, I'm
1: so happy that you see that because most, most people at your age would not be able to say like, this. I learned this lesson very late in life. Like at 23, I was not thinking like you, you know, so I'm happy you have that mindset because it's so true. Like, you, you know, you, you it, I imagine, like, you know, you, you know this now, you're, you're you're on top of the world, you're winning everything. You got a lot of people around you. Like, who's your friend? And exactly. It's, it's hard to take it. 100%. It's, and it's, it gets harder and harder. And the, the more successful you become. The harder it becomes. Because people are incredibly good at Pretending, You know, you don't know who's who. The more who, so. fake
2: they are. Yeah.
1: So, my, the advice always goes, like, the people who are there for you before for, yep. are the ones that are still like going to be family. there after. Yeah. <laughs> They're the ones that are always going to be there. So.
2: No, but it's,
0: like you said, you have an incredible insight for, you know, someone who's so young. Because it's true. You know, the. if you're not self-actualized, self-motivated, you know, and your happiness doesn't come from within, you'll never find ways to fill
2: that gap. No matter no, what, no, what you do. No matter what and, Something that I've also learned like as I've gotten a little older is you don't you don't learn that much from people you learn more like you don't learn that much for people what to do you learn more from people what not to do yeah. and how not to behave you yeah. know I call that a negative lesson yeah. but yeah. I feel like I've yeah. learned more negative lessons yeah. in my life than positive and I feel like yeah. we could actually that we as people learn more as negative lessons yeah.
1: well it's like when when you discover a new sweet, Mikey you didn't discover the first sweep. You really discovered a thousand other ways of not doing that sweep. Exactly. That's what training is about, is discovering the ways of not to do it until, like, the correct answer There's two out. ways of viewing a position, like, what you just said, the interpretation. That's yeah. really, like, I, I enjoyed that process. It's like, so me, interesting. Me, me and Dave always, like, talk about, like, I mean, I'm of a generation, like, we didn't have YouTube to learn. Like, we had to, we'd go to tournaments, we'd watch it.
2: Maybe a magazine, and, and right? Go, yeah, and go to the gym and try to, do the
1: <laughs> and try to figure it out. And it was like, oh, that's so much harder, true. But it was fun. Like, you have to figure things out. Like, what it's like fed to you. I don't, that's what. It's, it's not as
2: fun. Like, okay, that's a new position. I don't know. It's not the same. It's just not,
1: it, didn't seem, it doesn't seem as special something, as discovering for yourself.
2: Something interesting that, like, what you just said that's interesting is um, I really don't like to watch that much jiu jitsu anymore, I like, to learn new positions because I feel like it stops me from autom- like, uh, figuring stuff out, like, self on yeah. my own. I feel like that stops your innovations when yeah. you're watching videos of positions. Because then you're copying. Yeah. Instead of you using your body and your body doing a position, then you figure it out by your body doing it right? in the subconscious. I, yes. And I think that
1: at least, I mean, for myself, most of my uh, leaps in jiu came from me discovering things on the mats myself. I'll see something, I can watch you do something on, you know, on a video and I go, oh, that's great. But that doesn't mean I'm really going to learn that move. I don't feel like I learned that way. I learned by being on the mats and making those mistakes. And that's exactly what you're describing. Like, I, not only do I enjoy that process, I feel like that's that's how I learn. I do get ideas from it. Don't get me wrong. You're not I, a I, mimicker. I, no, yeah. no, but, like, I, it's, it's like when I, I go for, like, uh, uh, if I see a video, like, I have an idea. I never thought about that grip, for example. But I have a harder time assimilating
2: that position in my game than I do if I'm actually on the mats just failing all the time. It's funny know? because um, when I learn, like, whenever I learn a new position, like, I'm the slowest learner out of everyone that I learn with. It's because I can't mimic a move without, I have to, um, when I learn a move, I have to understand every part of the body and why I'm doing this move and everything about the move yeah. for me to do the move. So I can't, I learn really, really slow. Yeah. But when I learn the move, I learn it better than everyone that I learned it with because I understand every reason why I'm doing the move and the whole process of it. you learn it on the practical level. Yes. Yes. And then I don't even try to even replicate the move. I just try to incorporate it. Into how I could use it in my jiu jitsu. You, know, you, you,
0: know. you did bring a good point that I liked, which was that people who tend to mimic others or copy and you know watch YouTube videos, they lose a little bit of the creative process themselves. I feel
2: like the people that can do that as well are the more athletic type, right? Yeah. I'm I'm the worst athlete ever. I have no <laughs> I'm athletic try, ability. I not try believe you, <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. I'm so bad as an athlete. Any sport I did, I, I'm horrible. You know, so um, jiu-jitsu for some reason works for me, but um, I feel like those people that are super athletic, yeah. right? You could just bring them in the gym and just teach them Toriando. I know, yeah. Oh, grab the
0: legs, throw them. And, then,
2: them. and then they can go to tournaments and just do it. Yes, yeah. I hate,
1: normally the ones that don't care
2: about it either. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, yeah. But like me, like we have to understand every position. Like yeah. a grip, we have to understand like the exact angle of the grip on the knee and Understand like when this leg is strong and the other leg is weak and all the correlations just yeah. to do the same position that they did So let me ask you this, Mikey. What is it that makes you unique? Because everyone who knows you knows you're
1: a unique guy in a lot of ways. Like not only because of your, um, your, your mindset, like how well you, you, you've, you've won everything, you've ever competed pretty much. Like you very rarely lose, right? When was the
2: last time you lost? Uh, the last time I lost was okay. 2017 pan who so, did you lose to? I lost rough decision to a guy named kind of Clever. Okay. It was like, I. I don't is it, black belt it was a black belt. It was black belt. Yeah, yeah. It was before I won the worlds. Okay.
1: Um. So you don't lose before that. Probably years without no. lose. I never seen you lose. Like I've been following you since you were a purple belt. I. have never seen you lose yeah. purple brown. I never
2: lost a fight in purple or brown or a blue belt. So
1: my question is, and I'm sure Dave and you know everyone else wants to know this. What is the key ingredient? Because there's a number of ingredients in this equation. This is not a one thing. Like oh, he drills all day, or oh, he's gifted, or it's. There's a lot of things going on here. If, if you had to pick, like, what is the yes. cornerstone that makes Mikey?
2: Okay, so something that I learned from a young age is that you can't look to your coach to make you a world champion. Everyone wants their coach to say, make me a world champion. And then if they don't, if they don't win, they blame their coach, right? Oh, they didn't do this for me. They didn't do that for me. You know? Yeah, you're absolutely right, man. So what you learn is... And you're not even a coach yet. You're, like
1: you're seeing this already. You're your
2: own coach. <laughs> yeah. And your coach supplements your game. Your coach is just a supplement to your game. But you have to be in control of yourself. And you don't look to other people to make you who you are. You have to, build, you have to work in yourself to get to where you are. You know? And it's, that's the biggest thing. It's accountability. We were just talking about that the other day. Like yeah. Accountability. Because I always say this. Because I've gotten that a lot.
1: I've, everyone has dealt with this. People who lose, they blame the ref. They blame they their coach. The rules, oh, I'm not training the coach. It's their fault. The training partners, the girlfriend, the weather, the slippery mats. Everyone is to blame.
2: But that, that's and that's the losing it. mentality it's because, losing because mentality. in their minds, they look for excuse instead of like thinking in their mind, wait a second. There is no excuses. I have to fix everything I'm doing and then I'll improve, you know? So I, I'm so glad you said that because it's, I always felt it. I think that everything you do, all these ingredients
1: are important. Like you... You're not, you know, you may not be the most athletic guy, but, like, I'm pretty sure you
2: got to be, I mean, at least your flexibility and your mobility yeah, yeah. is ridiculous. I have, I, I, have, seen the I, have, I from jiu-jitsu yeah. my whole life, I have that deformed body yeah. from jiu-jitsu. But you, <laughs>
1: but, uh, <laughs> but you have, like, uh, all these ingredients, but I, I, I truly believe that the key ingredient for success in about anything you do in life, not just jiu-jitsu, is exactly that, is accountability. Accountability. You blame yourself, and it's a hard thing to do. It sucks blaming but yourself. But there, only .001% could do that. Yeah. You it's know. a hard thing to do because it's like, it's my fault. Like even, and I try to place my personal life sometimes, like if some if bad stuff happened around me, I always go back to myself and go, how could I have fixed that two years ago? You know, like how, what did I do that because if I'm here, I'm here, I'm largely responsible for that. Like what did I, what could I have do, done different? What can I do different in the future? So I think that's absolutely the, the right mind mindset.
0: Yeah, and like you said, it's difficult because it's a battle of the ego, right? Nobody likes to accept the, the, the blame on themselves that. because then it's like, that means if I could have, it was my fault, that means I could have fixed this X amount of years ago. That's a lot to swallow. So most people are like, you know what? I'm going to blame so-and-so or
2: this. Well, so things, that- the biggest flaw in humans is what? Ego. The biggest flaw in humans, you know? Everyone's so uh, afraid. Like, everyone's ego is just so big. Even in, like... In old times, like uh, Napoleon, right, invading Russia, like Grinder in winter, winter. and then idea. and then Hitler tries to do the same thing as Napoleon. Same, same. I love history, so yeah. yeah, opens a second. I know, front, <laughs> I, do. I know. But you're Exactly right. It's yeah. because you're. But, that, but they're yeah. so their ego so high that they don't they can't rationally think yeah. in their mind. It clouds their judgment, yeah. and that's a flaw in humans, I believe, is ego. And the more we could see, okay, we have ego, and how to. Um, that level ourselves, like, we could become way more productive as people. So, and I'll ask you this, then, Like,
1: we, when we talk about ego. We and Dave had this conversation. Because I, I, the word ego is a word. I wish we had two words to describe. Because to me, the ego you're describing is a bad ego. The one that makes you overconfident, blame the world. If you beat me in practice, I'm mad at you, not at myself. Yes. But then there's this other ego.
2: That, that is you internalized, you That makes you a champion. A champion.
1: I, I've heard, like, uh, I think Frank Carreri told me this story. He was a boxing coach. I can't remember his name. A very successful boxing coach. And they ask him like he's trained a lot of successful boxers, and he goes like this: What is the key ingredient of a, that a fighter needs, right? To be, any
2: he goes like ego.
1: And I think he's talking about the positive ego that it goes: I refuse
2: to lose. The obsessive, like, the obsessive, the obsessive nature that you go back to the gym every day and work hard when you're tired, when yeah. you don't feel good, when you don't. That's the that's another type yeah, of ego. Yeah, but like
1: it's ego that you're angry at yourself for not being better. Like someone passes your guard, and you go home and you're livid, and you can't can't I. I I mean, sometimes I'd lose in practice, and I couldn't sleep at night. Like, I think that's an ego that, if you channel that in a positive way, then it could be uh, it's, amazing. It's a, it's a catapult, you know. And but, I agree with
0: that. Yeah, I mean, in general, like all these emotions that you have,
2: there's a good but, and bad to every emotion. Yeah, you know? yeah.
0: And if you don't learn how to channel it properly, like you were saying, then it could be a driving force. You know, like balance. Yeah. So, like, I think it's important to to use those emotions wisely. In ways that are going to push you into action that's going to favor you in achieving your goal, sometimes people have emotions that are deconstructive, you know, like binge eating or you know people start smashing stuff when they get angry. That's not constructive, you know so but I think that's just part of being emotionally mature, le- learning how to: know, like most people, Yeah, because most people think emotions are not controllable, and
2: I disagree with that. I believe they are completely yeah. controllable. I know this because uh, this year when I cut to rooster. Wait, it was crazy The cut at the end. I cut my hair at the end. <laughs> I saw you struggling. I saw you struggling. So, um, at the end, I was in a lot of pain. But um, what I've learned about pain is that it's there and you don't touch. Like You just let it sit. If you try to fight the pain, you, build, it, you t- it takes so much more out of you, the pain. But if you just let it sit and you don't touch it and you just stare at it and you say, okay, the pain's sitting right here and you don't touch it. You could just you're it's just a feeling, like it's irrelevant, like the feeling of pain.
1: It's amazing that you see like, like you're able to like remove something that would normally corrode someone. You're like able inside. to just stare at it. But you're what you're when you're saying when you're staring at it, notice what you're doing. You're actually removing an incredibly negative feeling that normally permeates every cell, everyone's body, and they're not able to think because of pain or anger. What you're doing might because they make it so big. You're pushing it aside as outside of yourself, of your ultimate goal, which is like I gotta win this fight. And you're just like you happen to be here,
2: that's that. Let's get let's get on with work.
1: That's you, know, some, you don't that's, let it you don't let it destroy you.
2: That's what I've learned like recently, like how to hand, handle emotions better, you know, as I'm getting older. Like the pain, that was the biggest thing that I've learned. And how like pain's so irrelevant. It's a feeling, just like every other feeling. And when yeah. you're talking about pain, are you talking about the physical pain of cutting weight or the psychological There's, there's, there's so many types of pain, yeah. but just every type of pain. You're feeling nervous, you feel anxious, like to do something like You have to, um, like for me, I'm very introvert. So when I first started doing seminars, I was very, very uncomfortable to do seminars, like talking to a lot of people that I never met before. Like it was very hard for me. So um, I used to just pinch my arm like uncomfortable, you know. Uh, But um, now I just, okay, I feel nervous or I have anxiety. I just, I accept it. Okay, I have that. It's just there. It doesn't matter though. You accept it. Yeah, it's just sitting right here. You don't touch it. If I build it in my mind, oh, I have this feeling. I have this. Then it paralyzes you yeah. because you let it paralyze you. Yeah. You have control of letting emotion or a feeling paralyze you, yeah. or just let it be there. Yeah. It, you don't. T- you just let it sit there. You know. Yeah. That's how I've learned to handle those stressful situations. And anytime my body or mind are going through a really hard endeavor, you know, that's what I've figured out. You're
1: able to remove yourself from. I'm that. able to remove yeah.
2: myself because it's stopping you from achieving your goals. Yeah, That's a
1: beautiful thing, Mike. I. I, I I hope that people listen to this and realize what amazing advice that is. Like yeah. even for myself I'm listening to you and like man I'm actually learning a lot of <laughs> like this is a, truly man like, because yeah. you're right like you have to because you can't change the world. You can't you can't stop yourself from feeling.
2: You're human. You can't stop you yourself. You can't from feeling. you're gonna feel. And the feelings yeah. are the are what life is about. You yeah. want those feelings. That nervous anxiety feeling. Like my biggest fear in life is to live life on a flat line where you don't feel anything no. and you're just Living where you're not doing anything. I want life to be like this. Yeah. Because that's when you're living, yeah. you know. And that's why I love competing because it's uncomfortable. That uncomfortable feeling, though, is what I love. Yeah. Yeah. You, you
1: know, you, he loves, see, like he, saying, he loves uncomfort, where most of us are desperately seeking comfort in everything we do. That's what we but love. That's what makes you great, Mike, is that you are chasing uncomfort and you're staring at fear and anxiety and pain and going, ha ha, bring it. I want more of it. And I'm going to grow from this, you know, and that's, I mean, that's
0: a, what, what well, a, what are, all the ingredients that make this. You well, know? stress is what makes us grow. You know, like we need those. We need stress. We need, like we talk about, we need problems. We need stress. Anxiety and, and stress. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if most people said, oh, you know, like when they would ask me when I'm competing, how are you not scared or how are you not nervous? It's like, no, no, You no, always we, remain nervous. Everybody is scared. Everybody is nervous. It, you're supposed to be. If, I would be more concerned if I wasn't. And I have been in a few occasions and I didn't perform well. Because if you're not nervous going into a competition, to me, that kind of says that you're not you interested. Care. You exactly. don't care. You're not invested in the outcome. So you're fighting like a robot, yeah. which could work. But the guy who really wants it, he's going to have more emotional energy than you. So, you know what I mean? so he's going to be able to
2: put in more because he cares. He's I think, invested. I think that brings up two things with competing. One, the reason why we love competing, uncertainty. Yeah. If we knew for a fact we were going to win, what, would I'm we sorry. care at all? You so, even go. that's what everything in life is about. Anything that's uncertain, that's yeah, what we are so you, seeking. You've defeated something. you accomplished that's something. That's what we're seeking. Anything uncertain. Let me ask you this, Mikey. Do you feel that? I, I've had moments. Like, I've always
1: been. I feel like yo, I've never, liked the best athlete or anything. I had one thing I've always been. I'm very competitive. I've always been. As a child, I hate losing. I'm played Monopoly as a child. If I lost, i <laughs> flip the board. Like, I can't be. I just hate losing, right? I've always been that way. And I feel like. There's a certain anger there that I, I manage to channel. A lot of times I'd be losing a fight. Say I got a minute left. My coach yells at me, I'm losing. Dude, I'd go like ape shit. Like I'd lose it. I, I, you can see like I have I'm like, like, panicking. The feeling I would have is a panic that I'm about to lose unless I sweep this guy. And I'd switch gears in a way. Like I've lost counts of how many times I've turned a match at the very end because of this, right? So I guess like it's a feeling of almost like um, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm asking, you, I'm asking you if you can actually channel some like anger or are you ever angry when you fight if there's everything not angry as in like angry the fact that you're going to lose not not at anyone or are you always like very methodical stoic and like not very uh, are you unemotional when you're
2: during your match so i'm usually very unemotional when i compete the only match i was emotional was when i fought bruno malfasini and it was just because the background of like how I, um, when I was younger with him, we trained with each other and then how he retired last year and I won light feather. He won rooster and he told me, okay, Mikey, I'm retired now. Uh, that's why I was doing light feather because I trained with him when I was younger. So out of respect for him, I went up to light feather, you know, cause he helped me yeah. and I didn't want to fight someone that helped me. Yeah. You know, I never lived at his gym, but he was like three or three and a half hours from my house. So I would sometimes go and get private lessons from him. And let him kill me when I was a blue belt, you know, like the chain with Bruno scene, insane. Yeah. So um, that, so I was like, Bruno, okay, you helped me when I was a kid, out of respect for you, I'm gonna move up to Light Feather. Yeah. So I won Light Feather World, he won Rooster World, he retired. Yeah. He won his 10th title. Yeah. So then in USAD, we were both sitting there hanging out, and uh, he's like, okay, Mikey, I retired, that's it, I'm officially done, you can do Rooster. So then I died for Rooster, then the week of World, he, um, he signs up for Rooster. After giving me his word that he wasn't going to fight, you know. So, uh, for me, when somebody gives me their word, like, word is like honor. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I was very emoti- like upset at him. Because you didn't want to fight him. And I never wanted to fight him, you know. So, um, I, I felt so bad fighting him, you know. And uh, when we were fighting, it was very hard for me to stay emotionally into the match. I kept getting emotional. And I'm fortunate that I won. But that was really hard for me to stay composed emotional, emotionally yeah, I in the match. At the end of the fight though, you guys had like an altercation. Like what happened? So I finished the fight and if you watch the video, I don't celebrate at all. I don't raise my hand. I don't do anything. The first thing I do, because we haven't been talking. That morning that morning before we fought, I went up to him and like before I even fought him, he was gonna fight Kyle. I went up to him and shook his hand and said, Ooh, and like good 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 just just to break the ice out of respect for him because I I couldn't just remain angry at him, you yeah. know. I, I was I wanted to be the bigger person and just shake his hand. So I went up and shook his hand that morning. So then, um, uh, I, I when I finished the fight, the first thing I did I didn't celebrate anything. I feel like we emotionally both let our emotions out on the mat, and we just settled it on you know what I mean. I don't. Yeah, it, was, it was a war. Yeah, it was it was an insane match, and yeah. and um, I'm actually grateful for him because he gave me the opportunity to fight a legend. You know, I would have never fought him if he didn't do that. So it made me grow as a person competing with sin. And at the end there, I don't remember. I went he, to shake he, he, his yeah, hand. He, was, he got mad
1: at you at the end there, yeah.
2: So I went to shake his hand, and um, he wouldn't shake my hand. So I'm just like, like what? Like, uh, what? like what? And then I went to shake. He did this and <laughs> <It's> like incredibly <laughs> oh, oh but, my god and it's it's funny cuz there's a sticker on uh WhatsApp yeah. that uh is me like this and him like this <laughs> <laughs> but how he did it was so um it was so perfect how he how he set it up you know what i mean like he did it so smooth <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> but um but then immediately i was like why did you do this yeah. why i didn't want to fight you yeah i kept that's all i kept saying to him i that's all i kept saying why did yeah. you do this i didn't want to fight you like yeah. You think I'm happy that I fire you you yeah. think and then that was that was the con- I think that Bruno Mofasini might be
1: the most successful competitor of all time I agree and, and I'll say in, why in the
2: sense that he um I feel like he just so many years consistent Twelve world titles so consistent. in
1: okay so have has got 13 now is that right 13 is that
2: believes so. yeah because he does two divisions <laughs> so which is still amazing up each year but yeah he's like
1: competing in two divisions so he's got but like Murillo Fassini has consistently been the best in the world up to now he just lost for the first time and he, he even moved long. up the
2: light feather and beat Gui Mendes remember exactly, that yeah
1: and then he but for 12 years straight man that's that's incredible like as a competitor he's uh
2: he's incredible and like I learned a lot like when I trained with him I didn't positionally learn so much but I, I feel like I a part of me learned from him like how to be like how to win, you know yeah. what I mean, like just just like how he was, you know, I feel like that rubbed off on me somehow
1: well, yeah. oh, and that, he's unusual too, because he's a top player, which is not very he, i mean he does bottom too but yeah. like he, he doesn't mind being on top, which is very unusual in your division,
2: and he's very explosive, like for like a small guy, you know he's more like a middleweight, like how he has yeah. power, like a lot of the small rooster weights they don't have um power because they are they're, it's rooster weight, everyone's dead, it's skinny yeah. he's like. Small and like explosive, you know, he has explosion power, so it's a little different history. Interesting. Um, Dave, what else? I mean, I, mean,
0: I, I think I, this guy's a bring forever, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a question for you. So, when you started training, as a when I started training, I was actually the smallest guy in my gym, which is kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> I had, well, no, question, my brother was, but then after my brother, we had a 240, a 250, 260. So I was oh, used to getting God. squashed, you know. Like that that helped me early on because I lost the the fear of fighting bigger guys because I've had 260 plus pound guys squeezing the hell out of me and you lose that claustrophobia. You know so I'm wondering you're you're significantly smaller than me. Have you had to go through that yeah, in so, your training?
2: So in Florida when I used to train, uh everyone I trained with was usually middleweight, lightweight or up and I was like a lot smaller than I am now. So I was always the smallest guy, you know some some trainings would be durino severo aj Souza. i don't know if you know AJ um and like two other middleweights and i would just be sitting in the corner like with all these big guys and i would just be in the corner praying (laughs) that i don't get injured yeah don't get injured i'll be in the corner praying before every training (laughs) so i completely understand what you mean yeah you know like um it's hard training with those big guys but it made it makes us tougher I personally feel that if I'm training with big guys, I have to do physical therapy a lot just to support my joints. Yeah. You know, that's something that helped me a lot. Like um, living in Vegas is that I have more small guys to train with, yeah. so it's less impact on my body. Yeah. So yeah. I could study more positions well, and I could do more uh, quantity of and training. And not only that, you you're closer. I mean, it's more cl- to the
1: competition. Yeah, it's closer to the competition. because exactly. you know? like a guy like AJ Souza, Severio Durim. It's not the game is not the same. It's not the same. It, it, I mean, I, I jiu jitsu is
2: different in every category. I always say every I, category is a different sport. Different. Almost mm-hmm. every division is. It's like a different. And that's why jiu-jitsu. I like competing different divisions. I, I feel like if you could compete in different divisions and make your game work in different divisions, yeah. that shows your level of jiu jitsu. You know, like every division, the jiu jitsu is a drop different. You know, like when you go to a different gym, every gym the guys play a certain guard. Like, a certain way. Yeah, they have a style. Right? Every, every division, the style is different. Just yeah. a little bit, you know. And That's I, why I, I got I, LeGonchelo. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, I, I when mean, I started, believe it or not, I was a lightweight. I was not a big teenager. <laughs> I, moved, I mean, I've been gaining weight, and I'm 245 these days. But, like, my game has changed dramatically. Like, I hate the fact that I'm a heavyweight now because well first because i fly economy and that sucks but uh, the, the other reason is like my game is like it gets it gets uglier by the day i feel like i feel like when i was like a middle like medium heavy middleweight my jitsu was a lot prettier i played guard like the transitions <laughs> were because you can move but as you get heavy it's just it's it's harder and harder. You're more sluggish yeah and like now i get to half guard i do this and i call like, oh, this is horrible jujitsu you know but I, it's, it's almost like you
2: can't help it. Like, it's, I cannot move as fast as you. There's it's nothing just, I can do about is it. Your division's different. My division's not different. I have to. Whatever do your like body it. is, you have yeah. to uh, train accordingly to your division. Yeah. And that brings back to the point of like, like when competitors are training in the gym or so. Like, if, let's say, like there's heavyweights in a gym and the coach is like a very small guy, like I feel like the coach has to cater toward everyone's division individually yeah. to the sense that everyone's division's different. How could. Um, how could for example I coach heavyweights and be like, Okay guys, we're all gonna do double pull today. <laughs> you no,
1: know, it's and I know what I do now and it's it's hard to do because as, It's such a big class yeah, and everything. You know all my problems. Like but that I have this problem. So I've have, have guys that go finding a balance. Yeah, so what I do is I do this all the time. I split the room in half. Guard pullers to my left. Take down artists to my right. Makes sense. So when they drill, it makes no sense for an ultra-heavyweight to drill barambolos. Yeah. No, it's no, not going to pull it off. The it.
2: There's no jiu-jitsu in that. Like, exactly. No, it's irrelevant to them. Yeah, it's a stand-up match. Or like me to do wrestling. I mean, like, exactly. You in in, in Light Feather and Rooster, everyone butt-scoots so fast. Yeah, it's almost, like, pointless. You could time, I mean, time a picture. shot. Like, we could drill, like, timing shots, right? Yeah. Or, like, pulling first. Like, things like that. Yeah but we can't drill straight standing like the, yeah. the dance, you know? Yeah, the school, <laughs> there's no wrestling. Yeah. There's no dance in uh, yeah. the light divisions. They just jump right yeah. away, yeah. And uh,
1: I know that uh, um, when uh, um, there's, a, there's an exercise we do at the gym, that there's a game that we play for guard pole. Like I, what we do is you win three ways. You win by timing the take to the, pole, the guard pole with a foot sweep or a double. You win by actually pulling guard. Or by double guard pulling and coming, coming up up first, to get the advantage. so it's a game that trains on my lightweights, prepares them for the lightweight. That's so important 100%. because that's half the match. The start of the
2: match is the that's... most important part for the
1: lightweights. And this leads into my next topic with you, Mike. Everyone knows, okay, you've got a beautiful mind. You are incredibly disciplined. Everyone knows, and I think everyone gets all these things from you just by watching you. But then there's another side to you that a lot of people don't know, and I've noticed by watching you compete you're a highly, highly intelligent competitor. Just before we start filming the podcast, me and Mikey were talking ADCC rules, and he's giving me all the loopholes in ADCC rules. And he's got them all figured out, I'm like, you do this, you do that, and I'm like, so this is a very, very intelligent competitor. So tell us a little bit about that aspect of, of, of Mikey as a competitor,
2: and how important is that? So, I always, like when I first started competing like in black belt, yeah. and just in general, like I always felt like I was so nervous and like, when, you know when you're nervous and your body feels frozen and you feel like you can't move? Yeah. So what I was able to figure out was if I, play, if I was able to play a certain type of strategy, I have a uh, backup for when I have that feeling. So it made me way more confident to compete because I felt like even if I don't feel good mentally, I could win every match because of strategy. And strategy um, is so fascinating to me because there's the rules. And it's, it's beating someone in, an, in, a, in a thinking game and that nobody really thinks about, you know. Yep. And I feel like that aspect and element, every element of being a champion, there's so many different ones, right? And a lot of times you don't even need to play strategy, but I believe that it's so important to have that extra tool so when your jiu-jitsu isn't working, you still win the fight, Right. Nice. You know? Let's say that you physically don't feel good. You're sick. You should no. be able to have a backup. No. So that's how I viewed strategy. Um, like my first worlds that I won the worlds in 2017 when I um, I beat Isaac, then Ari in the semis, then you won in the finals. The one that we were talking about. Um, I that remember world that match well. Yeah. That worlds I was so so nervous because I haven't won worlds yet. Like I just I felt so like hard like mentally. Because you won Brown the year before, right? The year before, no. It was 2015. So, 2016, what happened? 2016, I lost to Isaac. That was my third tournament black belt. I okay. was full-time in school, so I wasn't able to compete a lot. I okay. just needed more experience. So, you
1: lost Isaac black belt. First year. And then the next year, you won. Yes. Okay, so...
2: And I, they helped me so much losing the first year. hundred percent.
1: I, yeah, I, I think it's almost like sometimes it's a good thing. It's the you best know. thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, like, so... So walk us through, like, what is... Because you're talking about strategy. Give us a little bit of strategy. Because a lot of times people think strategy. They
2: don't, they're not understanding what you're saying, Michael. Okay, so I'll give like, an why, example.
1: Wh- okay, preparing for João Miao that day. What's
2: going through your head? Well, my mind was horrible at that world. So um, what was going through my mind before I fought João, I was just like, I can't wait to get this over with. Remember how we talked about when you're supposed to be in the fight, you're supposed, like, in training... Like earlier where we said like when you go into training, you're supposed to be excited to be there yeah. and like you should feel like time isn't going Like You should be like, oh man, the, fight, the training's over. Not, I can't wait for this to be done. Yeah. My mindset was, I can't wait for this fight to be done yeah. You know, because I was in the finals. I just wanted to win world so bad. And um, so I'll give one example of strategy um, In my division, um, IBG have added the rule of double pull, right? Where they give you an advantage I mean that uh, if you both are in double pull for 20 seconds, I believe, they stand you up and you both get penalties, right? A loophole in that rule is if you attack a submission, like an ankle lock or any type of submission, they cannot stand you up. Mm. So when you attack the ankle lock, this is how I used the ankle lock that year. Whenever I attack the ankle lock, A, it's a win-win for me because, one, I have a submission, so they, they can't stand us up, and two, if the person comes up from double pull, I'm gonna get an advantage for the ink lock and they're gonna get an advantage for coming up. Cool. So now it's just like I pull guard regularly. But I even have control of their leg. So that's a, that's heaven for a guard it's player. A, it's a yeah. win-win. Yeah. So, so now I mean they can't pass your guard.
1: Who's gonna pass your guard for so division? That's that, so, yeah.
2: so it's a, that's that's what I was that was a loophole in the rule that I was playing. And it's just small things like that, figuring out like how you could work around the rules in a way that the person is at lost and then you could use your jiu at the same time because when they get frustrated they open up right it's very hard to, to um to make someone open up that is just not that's closed right that is fighting not to lose i'll give an example of um when two southpaws fight right isn't it like a weird match because they're both not coming in no not southpaws uh counterfire sorry yeah yeah, yeah. they when it's two counter is a stalemate right so a lot of people in my division they just don't fight. They both just wait for the other person to do something so then they counter, yeah. you know? So I feel like um, this style made shuts that style off because if they don't counter you and they just stay there, you win. Yeah. You know, so um, that was a good So example. you're playing chess. It's a chess game. Yeah, and then you're trying to be 20 moves ahead, basically. Exactly. That's exactly what's going on. So. And you're trying to make the person get frustrated where they stop, uh, trying to, they they stop being on the defensive and they open up. Because when they open up, that's when I can use my jiu-jitsu. Do you visualize these situations before a tournament? For sure. I don't usually train doing this. Um, Probably in the past, I used to a lot more. Now I automatically do it. It's just uh, natural for me subconsciously. I have like a tournament game and I just naturally do it. Like, even my ankle lock, I never do my ankle lock in training. I don't like doing the ankle lock in training. I feel like, I don't want to hurt anyone I'm training with, and I just don't ever do it. I only do it the week of Worlds. <laughs> you know? And then, um, it's just, a tournament game is so much different than a training game, and that's when you, why you'll see guys in the gym that beat a lot of guys in the gym, right? That are amazing, but in tournaments, they will lose first match. Yeah. Because a tournament, jujitsu and your Jiu-Jitsu in the gym, like uh, your jujitsu in general, are not the same, yeah. you know? And the best have the best jujitsu. In the gym and they could apply their jujitsu in the tournament where they could be both you know and i feel like that's where it gets interesting
0: yeah you know you bring a good point with strategy because i've I, I talked about this before Bob, but i've beaten a lot of great people just with strategy not necessarily being more talented stronger or more athletic it's just knowing the rules knowing how to put people in vulnerable positions where you could win and it's overlooked. A lot of people don't like to think, <laughs> right? Like especially when you're doing something like martial arts, like they just want to focus on using their better jujitsu, what they think it is. But sometimes yeah. it's very easy to negate somebody if you know how the rules work and how you can game them. So it's just showing another side of you that again, very wise beyond your years. <laughs> that Do you? you can I, I, those I normally
1: recommend that I to me. When I lost that final to Roger Gracie, like it taught me such an important lesson because I got my butt kicked. I was killing people in the gym, I got destroyed. But it did something to me where I was like, man, I'm going to train from now on, like I compete. I'm going to try to make this guy tap every single opportunity I get. So I started training and it was a huge leap in my game really because I started. Like I'd raise the bar for myself when I was trained. So I have to- The goals. When yes. I, I have but, to admit this guy
2: three times. I have, have to- Exactly. Mm-hmm. I would have a
1: goal. Like if I train, a 10 minute round, I have to make him tap 10 times. So I have to make him tap once per minute. Like that was like the goal in my head, right? If I just go in for the kill all the time, right? It made me very aggressive and it was a big leap in my game, but I wanted to prepare myself to compete in a certain way. And I felt that I had to train that because that aggression was a skill.
2: A hundred percent, it's a skill. Do, it's, a skill. Like it's, it's a skill.
1: It's like People tell themselves, this is what they do. They go, oh, I will change when I compete. So they train in a certain way, and then they go... In the and moment, then when they go
2: to compete, they can't do they it. They
1: can't because they haven't trained it. So they oh, I'll, I'll be aggressive when I compete. Like, no, you won't. Nope. You're going to compete exactly the how same you The same as your training, yep. So do you train uh, strategically? Because I used to do it with my training partners. I, I'd come up
2: with game plans to beat my training partners. Not in a mean way, but like, so, I'm trying to beat you. So I'm a little crazy, like, how you were, like, yeah. in training, and... Um, I'll sometimes make goals in my mind. Okay, I have to do this position. I don't really make the goal of submitting the person because I feel like sometimes when I'm going for submissions, it takes more time out of the role that I could be doing more positions. So sometimes I'll be training. I'll be like, okay, I have to take the back like 10 times. And I'll take the back, let the person replace. Then take the back again. Then let the person yeah. replace. Stuff like that. You're drilling and live, then, basically. I always just live drill. And then... Um, and then sometimes I'm, I sometimes when I'm training, uh, my mind starts like bothering me. So like I'll be, I'll see the clock and it'll be thirty seconds left. It doesn't matter where I am, and I'll just say you're down by two in my mind. Yeah. And then I'll just go insane to make up the two points. Yeah. And just my mind sometimes just does that in the training. Because you're. Coming up with ways of challenging
1: yourself Always. because yeah. normally because we, you could have you could have cruised that round. I'm gonna win. Never, win. but that's yeah. how we, we we don't like you know exactly. I understand. 100%. Yeah. So you have to like because I go if I just do myself self yeah, I'm gonna beat you. So you have to come up with little games in your head to like absolutely raise the bar. It's like 30 seconds left, I gotta tap this guy. I'm down <laughs> by 10 points, and then in 30 seconds you panic to try to make him tap.
0: Yeah, we try uh, to do those drills all the time in training for but our you fighters see, that so you see we, but and whatnot. But you see,
2: we both do that. Automatically right, but it's so important but people yeah. can't I don't like people don't like regular people. They don't think like do, that Do you think do you think it, has I think it comes to do from with us because you like uncomfort so much? I, I I think that I don't whenever I feel comfortable in training I don't like the feeling I have to feel un, at yeah. unease and I have to get like that feeling of I have to do something You know what I mean that, yeah. Un, that up? Yeah, thing. otherwise you're not training. Right? Yeah, then it's not fun Yeah,
0: because I, I think what happens with most people when they go to train, particularly if they're going to a very competitive gym, is they just want to survive. Right? Like, they're like, I just want to make it through. And they have like, very low ambition goals. Like, I don't want to get tapped. But the or thing I don't is, want to get my guard passed. Or like, they're very, like, to me, like yeah. I said, low ambition. Like, your goal
2: for training should be to crush the training. It's not, but, yeah. in, my, but in my opinion, it's even deeper than that. We're not crushing, like, the goal isn't to crush the training. Like, I'm not personally thinking of my training partner that I'm going to crush. I'm thinking of doing, using my jiu-jitsu that I'm going to use when I compete. You said jiu-jitsu like a Brazilian, by the way. You jiu-jitsu. That? jiu-jitsu. <laughs> you totally picked that up for Brazilian. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm basically Brazilian now. <laughs> but um, uh, my goal yeah. is when I'm, comp- when I'm training, I'm thinking of the people I'm going to fight. Yeah. And I'm not training with the person that I'm – when I'm training in the gym, I'm not fighting the person I'm training yeah, with. Yeah. I'm just using their body as the body of the person I'm going to fight. Yeah. Yes. And I'm trying to be, use them to apply my jiu-jitsu to the people I'm going to fight. And so I'll be playing the game of, my, of the competition game that I'm going to use when I go to fight. Yeah, and sure. even if that's not the best game for the guy I'm training with. Like, if, let's say, for example, I'm training and I know I'm going to be fighting someone that I should be playing with, I'm with. Even though the person I'm training with in the gym, I could beat him playing lasso. I'm gonna play Dalhiva on that person yeah. because when I fight, I'm gonna be doing Dalajiva. Yes. So. So you're you're engaged in the competition,
1: and your your mind's in competition mode twenty four seven. Twenty four seven. You're not. We have a saying in my gym. We call it. It's called No Make a Friend. Because a half you couldn't speak English when he started teaching. Every time he saw someone chatting or going easy, he'd be like, "Oh, no, make a friend, no make a friend." <laughs> Train Jiu Jitsu, right? So it caught on. Everyone's like, but like I think a lot of people come to Jiu Jitsu to make a friend, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a beautiful thing if you come to gym just just to to have fun, it's fine, I, you know, it, but clearly you're going to the gym with a competition mindset it, it, all the
2: time. Like, it's, it, I think only close to tournaments, I'm more uptight like that, especially when I'm losing weight, so yeah. I'm angry. <laughs> but um, I'm more in the gym, I'm usually, usually I'm drilling, and I'll be practicing a certain move, and then when I'm training, I'm using the people I'm training with to get reactions to the position I'm working. Yeah. In. So I could improve and update my position, and see how they could give me a reaction that I didn't know. You're creating your own hell. Yes, basically. Yeah. yeah, but
0: that's like I said. That's what I mean by like crushing it. It's like you're pushing yourself to try to get the most out of yourself in the training, versus just trying to survive the training to get your SAE afterwards. You know what I mean? Like you're trying to go. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like some people yeah.
2: that train, and their whole goal is not to get tapped. Yeah. Their whole
1: goal is yeah. to survive. I hate that. But
2: but but they want to compete. That's I. That,
1: you shouldn't I, even compete.
2: If you have no, no, mindset. no. What I'm saying is, if they're not competitors, okay, whatever. It's a hobby. Yeah. But if you're a competitor and your whole goal is not is to survive a training and like give yourself a pat on the back that you didn't get tapped because you hold you held on or whatever,
1: it blows my mind. Are
2: you gonna yeah. how, how are you gonna compete?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do. I say I. I, I know people who like, literally just like be content with not having their guards passed in practice, <laughs> and that, that's it. I. I go and. Me, mm-hmm. me, I my mindset is that.
2: I'm gonna use my. I'm gonna do my my jiu jitsu. I'm going to do it 100% when I'm training, and if I get my guard passed trying to do my A-game for the tournament, perfect. Because now I just learned something I'm doing wrong. Yeah. I'm, there's flaws. The more flaws we learn, the more mistakes we learn, the better, right? Because yeah. yeah. they're helping us get better. You know. But if I'm going to play a game just to survive and hold on in training, how is that going to help me with my A-game for when I yeah. fight? It doesn't. Not, yeah, it doesn't. But, like, that's what I'm
1: saying, like, you are, I mean, you may or may not realize this, but you are constantly looking at, it's almost like an addiction for you to look at ways of challenging yourself. And that's, 100%. I think that is one, what makes you so great at what you do is that you're never, ever comfortable. Like, what can I, you, you, you enjoy the challenge, right? You don't want to, you don't want the pat on the back. You don't want the comfort. I, like you want to be, what's the next challenge to do? To overcome? So,
2: this year when I won Worlds, um, it was the weirdest thing ever because when I won, I had zero emotion. Yeah. I walked off the mat, and I was just like, wow, I don't feel anything. <laughs> it was the first time, like, I completely felt nothing. Yeah. And it was, it was more, um, and all I was thinking about was the mistakes I made when I fought, you know. When I, uh, when I fought Bruno, and I got off the mat, the first thing me and Kyle said to each other, the first thing I said was, man, I suck. I got swept from butterfly guard. That's the first thing I said to, <laughs> to Kyle <laughs> yeah. after uh, just fighting Bruno. Because you're Cini, looking at your mistakes. You know. So um, that was just all that bothered me you, from world. You know, it's funny.
1: Like I think most, so many people, like
2: when whatever they're doing,
1: like they'll look at you know their competition. Let's just stick to competition. They'll go look at all the amazing things. Look at that flying triangle I did. Look at that sweet. They're looking. They're patting themselves on the back because that feels good. They think of when, their own the positives. Yeah, but like the thing, you're you just won a world title, and you walk off the mats, and you're getting, you're upset because you got swept by Bruno Malfassini that's like but that's the kind of mindset you need to do this because you have to be you, insane you, yes you have, you have, to, have to be yeah, insane yeah, but you're looking at the flaws you're not looking at the, the good you're looking at the what do I need to fix to make this machine
2: and you need people around you, you that aren't just cheerleaders that are going to tell you straight that. up like we have to fix this we have to people aren't just you, you're amazing you're yeah. great if your coach is a yes man he's not a good coach exactly you need like uh, you need you need every, the people around you to always be real with you
1: yeah.
2: I think it's so important you know, like I know when
0: we corner fighters and whatnot, whatever happens, win or lose, when they get in the backstage, we do the little compliment sandwich where we'll say, "Good job doing this. You need to work on this," because especially if they lost, they'll be very receptive to that lesson early in because the pain of the loss is gonna attach whatever you told them what mistake was made. It's that funny because
2: it's funny because uh, I always make the joke with my friends. I'm the worst person to talk to. Like whenever my friends fought and like they want to talk to me after losing, because you tell them the truth. I'd say the truth and but I don't want to hear it. Yeah. But like but like I'm um, I'm very I'm not very empathetic in yeah. that way. Yeah. I I don't know if you're the same way. No, no, yeah, but you ver- but you're not suppo- see, you're you're right. You're <laughs> not wrong. They're wrong. I don't know if it's like oh,
1: but it's everyone. Everyone's wrong then. Cuz <laughs> the best advice you can give your friend is like give him an earful why
2: he lost. People can't handle it, man. They hate it. You because, I lost friends over so Oh, what those. is what is the biggest flaw in humans what we said before ego. Yeah. It's their ego that they have problems with they Whenever people lose, the regular person, yeah. not us. Whenever the regular person loses, in their mind, they think of excuses why they lost, and they think of ways like that they got screwed, or they just had a bad luck, yeah. or something, and then they accept the loss in their mind. Yeah. Do we ever accept loss? Yeah, yeah. No, you can't. You yeah. can never accept loss. Every time I've lost a match, is I. That's all that goes through my mind is why you, I lost. You lost a match. Yeah, yeah. you accept it. Yeah, I. And I never, I never say, "Oh, I just got stuck in this position." Why? Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, you you I, got stuck. I got, I made yeah. a mistake.
1: Yeah, you made a mistake. To be If stuck. I'm
2: losing a fight, I made a mistake. You know, it's that simple.
1: It's it's. And it, it's funny because like I'm I i i have made this mistake before. I've complained to refs before. Sometimes my students lose, and I still complain to refs. But I think as a coach, it's a little bit different as a competitor. But I've literally lost. There's count. some
2: refs that really screw. Yeah, no, a hundred percent.
1: But like, here's the thing: how many mistakes does a ref make during a match? One, two, three. Bad ref. Maybe three mistakes in the match. Let's say, how many have you made? So many, thousands. Why is the ref
2: controlling your outcome of the match? Exactly,
1: thousands of mistakes. But like everyone's focused on the ref for reasons that you can't control. You know, and not your own mistake, which are entirely your responsibility. So that
2: one match that I lost, like I really got screwed that fight from the ref, uh, and like about four or five bad calls in the fight, and I lost ref decision. It was a really like I was really upset. But I had the wrong mindset because I kept thinking how the refs are going to screw me this and that. The next year when I fought, like after that when I won Worlds every year, I stopped caring what the refs did because I was just focused on using my Jiu Jitsu and if my Jiu Jitsu is how it should be, their refs giving me points, doing anything doesn't matter at all, right? Because they don't control the fight, I control the outcome. And I have to have that mindset. The refs, the crowd, doesn't matter what they're doing. The only thing that matters is myself. And yep. that's why it's so important to, like, when I change that mindset because I'm American, right? So um, I used to really believe, oh, you're fighting Brazilians, they're gonna screw you. This and that, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's then, a theme, like, yeah. tell me what you think because I think it's a little crap. Like, so I that, but I felt what, how, the how, first how, year yeah. that I won Worlds 2017, yeah. I had some ridiculous calls, you know? Um, some ridiculous calls, like, that they really went against the rules, and yeah. they, like, screwed me. Yeah. Like, uh, But I ended up winning that world, even though they kept every match but, giving me but, crappy but do calls. You, but do you think
1: it has to do with them being—it's an honest mistake, or do you think it has to do with them being biased? Cause I, I guess, think it has
2: to be biased toward the big names. I don't think it has to do with what country you're from. I, this is where I think the bias lies. This guy's my friend. I know him well. I, I all see a natural flaw of bias. Because they friends,
1: There's yeah. 100%. I, I don't think that, I think national, when it comes to national, I think IBGF has more to gain by favoring Americans. Of course, it, because publicity-wise, it's all Brazilians that dominate. You know that, but like 90% of their income is, is Americans. Like, if, financially, it makes more sense to them want a guy like Keenan to win. Mm-hmm. It does their organization better if they have an American world champion in every single division. I think they would
2: benefit But IBGF doesn't, IBGF and the refs are separate, aren't they? Well, it's it's the well. IBJJF trains the
1: refs, but the refs. I mean, they have their own personal biases. I don't. I I, I am convinced there is no IBJJF bias. No, 100%. Yeah. There's no IBJJF bias.
2: But, but I 100% like, agree with that. There
1: is. St- I think it's personal bias. Yeah, it has bias,
2: nothing to yeah. do with country. Yeah. I, I 100% believe it has nothing to do with country. I ha, I believe though it has to do with someone being not a big name, and you're they're fighting big names. They're the gonna always favor win. the big, the big name. That, it has I nothing that. That, that. Now thinking yeah. back, it's more of that. It has nothing to yeah. do with what country yeah. you're in. Even
1: in the UFC, like for example, if the champion goes to decision it's the decision with like the, the 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 challenger. Yeah, the champion's the gonna champion win. always wins. hundred <laughs> you know, like, percent. It's just that's yeah.
2: that's my view on that. But like back then I was really like I had that mindset, like, oh they're all out to screw yeah. me. Yeah. You yeah. know? But then when I stopped really caring about that and just thought about winning worlds in my jiu jitsu and just the things I can control. Because I can't control what the ref does. Yeah. I can't control if he gives me points. Yep. I can't control any of that. What can I control, though? Mm-hmm. Dominating the person where so, they cannot do anything.
1: So where most people have a laser beam of energy that goes like this. You're doing this right here. You're narrowing everything. Taking everything out of the equation. Just focusing on like...
2: Just that one on thing yep. Yeah.
1: And that's like a laser beam. Like
2: that's... Because... Frank Curry, they got, yeah. what we were talking about before, uh, he's, he said something really interesting to me once and it's so true. If I focus um, on the refs, I focus on the crowd, I focus on all these things, how much percent am I in the match? Yeah. I lost my 100% focus of a match by thinking of outside elements. Yeah. And so now I'm fighting at 60% of my mind that yeah. I should be 100 you know what Invest, I mean? 100%, yeah. yeah. We it should be 100% sense. invested in a match. Yeah. How could we be at 60 50 thinking of all expecting these
1: expecting to win a world
2: title and 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 thinking of all these outside things that are completely irrelevant that we have no control of yeah. you know and that was my first world so i was probably 40 percent in each match mentally okay yeah, i had a yeah.
0: similar because I, i'm american myself and i had the disadvantage that when i started i didn't have a coach so I was American in like 1998, 99, training by myself and my brother. Mm-hmm. So when I started doing grappling tournaments and stuff like that, and I was, for, I was winning early matches, I had a lot of animosity towards me and my brother because like, who are these guys? You know, like they don't come, they don't even train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You know, they're just shoe fighters. I had yeah. one guy call me a black belt wrestler. <laughs> As an insult, he was trying to say, oh, you're just yeah. a black belt wrestler. I'm like, oh, okay. But um, when I started competing at ADCC, I remember I would lose some close calls and I, I had the same th- thought process initially, like, and uh, none of these guys want to see me win because I'm, uh, essentially like a Ronin. I don't come from a big affiliation or this and that. And then I had a shift of thought. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I might be seeing some of this out there, but I'm also giving it strength by believing in it. All right. So I, I changed my thought process to say, you know what? People want to see me win now. All right. And, and more important, it was, myself, like I wanna see myself win and everything in the universe is gonna help me. And sure enough, when I competed, I remember it was against uh, cyborg. I won a ref decision against him. And I'm like that's a lot, right? <laughs> is it cyborg, you know, and I was able to get a ref decision. I can how can I say there was bias against me, you know? And then I won a decision with uh Zanja, you know, like how can I say there was bias against me? But like it started happening when I started making that shift, where rather than think, oh, or, or assign blame, like these people are being, these people are it all on yourself. Like yeah. we said yeah. in the beginning, yeah. Yeah. instead of thinking everything's trying to hurt me or take from me, no, no, everything's trying to help me now. You know, like yeah. even if it wasn't, I just wanted to make that my belief, and it worked out. Like I got a lot of calls. Like the one with Cyborg was a like coin toss, dude. Like they could have given it to him and it would have been yeah, alright you know I could see it true yeah, I
1: think be that the confirmation bias prevents a lot of people from seeing these situations they only see what reinforces what they want to believe in you know but you're right like from my experience it's the same thing I've been screwed playing I never felt I was being screwed for any personal reason or <laughs> it was always like yeah he's just a dumbass you know he's just making a mistake
0: I can only think of one match which was a total screw job it wasn't me it was my yeah. brother yeah. he filed this small promotion in Texas and uh they definitely lost money running the tournament. Like barely anybody showed up. And I guess the guy my brother was fighting was fighting for free in a super fight where my brother was getting paid, I think it was like 500 bucks, right? So my brother took him down, passed his guard, almost armbared him. And at the end, they gave it to the other guy. How? And it was like, how? <laughs> and because they didn't score points. They, they had assigned aggressiveness, Oh, there are no points. Uh, there were no points. Like fight to win
2: style?
0: Yeah, but this was really like shady. Like, weird. Yeah, and, and when they gave it, my brother flipped out. He did a Hickson, threw a water bottle at somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and I fought right afterwards. It was the one time I can remember fighting mad. Because my, my brother just of got course, ripped out. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, okay, it's on now. I just destroyed the guy in front of me. But, um, yeah, other than that, I can't think of a blatant, like, screw job. You know, I think it's more like you're saying, you're just confirmation bias. You yeah. like you're seeing negativity or you have some negativity because you. Because you to see it. And yeah. then you get this, oh, it's an easy outlet. Yeah. You know? uh, Mike, you mentioned
1: something a while ago, like, you, like when you compete, like happy in 60% versus 100 and shutting mm-hmm. off everything else. I get the impression, speaking to you, that like you're the kind of guy that you have this ability to shut off the outside world. Like if World War III were going on right now, and you're fighting Bruno Mofasini again. You
2: said like, it the okay, no.
1: like it's a It's like not one percent for you know the world catching on fire or whatever. It's like, you know, and I want. I was going to ask you like, what is the importance of your social life, your your personal life in your jiu-jitsu? Because I believe that if you have a balanced personal life, social life, everything from parents to girlfriend, to it friends, makes it so much better. It's as important as your training because I, I, I if unless you can. Because here's the thing if you if these things are messing with your head and they're interfering with your energy it's like blaming the ref yeah it's the
2: same thing because now you're thinking about all these problems you have so how important is it to be balanced outside of jujitsu? right so um i'm 23 now and this is the first time i've had a girlfriend ever you know <laughs> um so when i was go- coming girl. up when i was coming up in like blue belt juvenile yeah. um i won the world and yeah. um uh, my two close friends they were like the same level as me yeah. and uh, they both won Juvenile Worlds also yeah. in Florida. Both extremely high level. Both of them ended up getting girlfriends and quitting jiu-jitsu. <laughs> so, so you're like, this is So I watched, before that even, my coach Shark, um, he would always tell me every day, never get married and never date girls. He told me this since <laughs> I was like 10 years old for like three years straight every day. <laughs> so I, then I wasn't training with him. So I was yeah. like, oh, okay, maybe it was just like, maybe he was a little crazy. Yeah and then um and then I saw that happen to my friends shark was right <laughs> so um I never talked to girls I never like focused on any of that and then um and then what I realized is what helped me stay balanced was school because I wasn't ever able to just focus 100% on jiu-jitsu whenever I'm off from school and I would focus 100% on jiu-jitsu it was like bad like I'm in bed thinking of positions i yeah. um, in the shower, thinking of positions like every second, my brain is just yeah. thinking of positions. But it's not healthy to like your brain. You need other things to to um, to stimulate your brain yeah. for That's, further improvement. Yeah. It yeah. actually stuns your growth when yeah. you have a hundred percent in one thing. For sure, yeah. I know. Like uh, I went to school
0: as an electrical engineer, and when you do study sessions. Generally, for me, like two to four hours was like a max amount of time where you need a break. Because if you stayed at the books for like eight hours straight, it's just numbers and letters start floating around. And you don't really make any It's actually detrimental. It's detrimental, yeah. Like your mind's got to rest a little bit. Yeah, you need to take breaks. You know, like I've only pulled off once. i learned physics too in one week. I stayed in a library (laughs) literally for a week. Just for the final? Just for the final because I passed all my other finals. But I totally skipped that class. Because I remember it was like one of those classes I only had one midterm and a final. And then I aced the midterm. So then I are like, oh, I don't have to show up to classes. And then it was finals. So I'm we like, crap, I just missed like four months of school. Yeah. So I got the book and I literally read every single page, did every single problem on the book. One week straight, like spending about 12 hours a day in the library. But that was brutal, you know, and it was... It's, d- not, hell. it's not normal. It's, it's not, not normal. normal. It's not and I forgot normal. everything right afterwards. the like yeah, a sponge. The, the short...
2: Like right. <laughs> I used to do that so much in school, like vocab tests. I would never study for the vocab test and then like... I would always like push it to see how close I could do it to the vocab right. test. It'd be like five minutes before, like 50 terms, memorize all 50 terms, take the test, get out 100, but then have zero idea what yeah. I just put on yeah. the paper. Yeah. <laughs> Lie that, lie was,
0: that was my physics 2 test because I showed up I'm like okay I know physics 2 <laughs> and then I got to the test and the first 15 minutes I just stared at the paper and I was freaking out I'm like why am I drawing a blank I don't know anything I'm like oh, and I went through I did the te- I went through every homework every problem with the test I still don't know anything I'm like crap I'm like alright calm down relax breathe and then like 10 minutes with nothing and then everything popped back into place Yeah, and got it you know I ended up getting 97 you know so like but it was just like staying cool. You know, like if I would have let the panic overcome me there, it would just. You just have to accept
2: the panic that yeah, it's there. Yeah,
0: exactly. Just like you are saying before, all right, let it ride its
1: way. I love that.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, but you go to school too, Mike. So you have like that. I uh, think you find that, that balance. I, I, I always tell people, if you find a recipe that is winning, don't change that recipe. And like I you feel You got like something good going for you, man. Like, that's you a good,
2: and that's great, like what you're talking about, because what I've noticed is every person that wins Blackboard Worlds. None of them train identically the same way, right? True. Everyone has to find their way to win Worlds. Yeah. And then once they find how to win Worlds, it's so much easier because they know how. And they know how to train the correct way. What are the commonalities, though? Because there, there must be some
1: overlapping. Like Oh, for sure there's overlapping. The, 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 the accountability, I think everyone would agree, is
2: one. Don't blame the world. Blame yourself. And but I think it has to do more on the terms of someone's jiu-jitsu, athleticism, and IQ level. Because if your game is so athletic-based, like you need strength, you need to do a lot of conditioning, right? Something that's game is super athletic-based. Yeah. While mine is all thinking, right? So my training is just a lot of drilling, studying, and thinking. So I don't do any conditioning. Like the last, what year is it, 19? About over three years, no conditioning. So I don't need to do conditioning because my jiu-jitsu isn't based on athleticism. Yeah or strength, or power, you know, so I feel like it's understanding what type of jiu-jitsu you do uh, in terms of how much strength you need for your game athleticism. Uh, Because if someone's game is very athletic and they don't have a high IQ, it's better, they need to do conditioning, right? Because their yeah. game, they need, their, they need to be in peak shape to yeah. do their game. It's dependent on, on that too. Which there's nothing wrong with that because mm-hmm. Jiu-Jitsu is built for everyone. Someone yeah. with lower IQ, someone with higher IQ, someone that's athletic, someone that's not athletic at all. You know, that's what's amazing about Jiu-Jitsu. There's not one size fits all. But once you figure out yourself and your, how, like your, the specialty for yourself, like how your game and uniqueness of yourself and how your brain is... And you balance that all together then that's and you're able to formulate that to make yourself able to win worlds and everything yeah. then that's when the the beauty happens because then you know how you're going to keep improving yeah. and you know the formula to improve well that's mikey that's like a
1: lot of you normally know, me and dave, dave would do these little like uh like 20 second little sound bites you know on, <laughs> we put on instagram i think you've given us so material today <laughs> man like I, i've got plenty of food for thought myself I think Dave feels the same way. I'm sure. Like I know. Yeah, I mean, listening. like I
0: haven't really had a conversation with you before, Mikey, but like, very smart young man. Thank like, you, sir. Uh, definitely somebody I'll be watching out for in the future and- because you have a very good. Like, I wish. Like, I feel like you're at the mindset where I'm at now, but. 15 years. <laughs> before. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, it, I, I got that wisdom. I think it was like a little, after my
2: career was over. Yeah. You got it
0: now. So good for you, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. So that, that is great. And uh, I was going to ask you, what are you studying in school, by the way?
2: Okay, so... Um, I'm guessing something engineering related? No. no okay. Um, I just graduated my business degree. Oh, okay. Yeah, so now um, I think I'm going to go on. I want to go to law school, but I'm contemplating waiting to go to law school. Like a in little into the future, and to get my MBA first, you know. Nice. So that's my plan.
0: <laughs> I know it's a good plan for sure. I think
2: because uh, education, uh, what they always say is knowledge is power, you know. And there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to train, compete, and as well as learn and study and learn different aspects of life. Yeah,
0: you can. You can totally do it. I, I was studying in school, you know, full time, fifteen credits. I had my own business, which I was running the martial arts gym, and I was competing all over, and I was 19 years old.
2: That's amazing. I was,
0: I was juggling all uh, three at once, you know. Multitask. So, multitask, <laughs> you know. But, like, some people, like, I remember, like, most people when they're in college, like, they're partying, and they're going out, and they're drinking. I never did that. A any waste of time. That. Yeah, I, I'm, I was kind of like you, you know, like. I've still I, never I been didn't... to one party. <laughs> <laughs> never? No. Yeah, yeah. I went to one party in college, one, all those years. Yeah, I never went to a college party. I was either training, I was either studying, or I was teaching at the gym, and I was doing that rotation, and I treated college like I treated training, which is, I was there to beat everybody, and I was always gunning to be the top student of my class, you know, because I didn't want, if someone got a 95, that means I had to get higher than them.
2: It shows how Mm jiu-jitsu, you could apply to all aspects of life.
0: Absolutely, and that's, I think we talked about the other day that's the most important aspect of it you know like all the moves that we do are nice but like what's more meaningful is how you're able to extend that knowledge to other areas of life because when you start teaching it most of your students are not competitors i would say probably like 90 percent of 100 percent yep yeah so what are they going to get from the experience being with you that's going to make their life change
2: and even more on top of that like as a coach like that runs a gym like how you have the ability to change somebody's life it's like, yes. so interesting you know like someone that has like a hard day of work someone that's going through depression like you have the ability to help them and to like make them happy and like in, have some enjoyment in their life, you yeah. know. I think that's like so interesting as a professor, yes. like, that you're able to do that. It's the most meaningful thing you can do. Like, you know, we we right, right. talk about like
0: there. There's people who just recruit talent, and then they want to take that talent to the next level. Whereas when you grab somebody from the you know who knows nothing, two left feet, and you make them capable of self-defense and giving confidence. It's, it's so much of rewarding. a bigger reward. It's you know what I mean? Like, rewarding. that person's life is forever changed, like you said, yeah. like in a positive way. And you just played a small role in getting in there. I mean, that's everything. You and know? it
2: has nothing to do with winning medals or anything. All people are the same. But you know, it, like, there, a white belt and a black belt are in the same. It's, it's yeah. a
1: social reward. You are actually... Doing something for the world—you're not going to get a pat on the back for it. You're not going to get a medal, but you can go to bed at night knowing that you know I made the world people. slightly better. I just improved on the world a little bit. And that, to me, that's—I—I—I I, I see this a lot. People do yeah. no talent at all. They're never going to win a world title, but it is so rewarding to watch them grow as human beings and watch that kid that used to walk in the gym like this and, and start now walking now he's got like normal. this and all and have confidence sudden. talking. Yeah, people. N- exactly. Like he yeah, had, you know, his girlfriend, and then like he changes the way he talks to you, and now he's like, they, you know. Jokes with people before it was just like so. Watching these this change changing people to me, um, it's incredible. It's amazing,
0: and because we've all been through it, yeah. right? And that's the thing. Like I know, starting myself, I was shy, overweight. Like I was like 130 pounds in third grade. You, know, so. <laughs> my, you were so that I, kid. I was that kid, yeah. yeah. And getting bullied and stuff like that. So, it you know, being able to take what my like wrestling coach brought me, and essentially, I always say like wrestling made me a man. You know, like I learned the effort of hard work and, and the willpower to put myself into anything. So me, I'm just, you know, what, what do they call that? When you're just passing along that goodwill, you know, like someone's giving it to me. Now I'm going to make sure I
2: could pass that same message to as yeah, many people as possible. About, yeah, I
0: don't can the kick
2: of a word for it. Because that. we had to figure out all the hardships ourselves. And what we could do to give back to others is teach people the lessons that we've learned. Yes. And from the mistakes that we have made, right? Absolutely. I always say that in life, in jujitsu, I'm allowed to make as many mistakes as I want. That's life, right? Yeah. But the rule is, I can only make that mistake one time. I see if you do not job, make man. if you make the mistake more than That's once, on then it's on you. Yeah. Yeah. You can make the mistake, can't repeat it. Man.
1: Absolutely. Mikey, let me ask you this. I know your sister is also a world champion. the yes. first female American to win a world title. She's also not quite as successful as you, but like not too far behind either. She's always been. I know you guys train a lot together. Yes. I mean she's probably your main training partner throughout your Always. life. Always, she's been. I've seen you guys fight though. <laughs> <laughs> you argue about yeah, give, give me a little bit of that back. Like that's a really interesting relationship. We will probably have to have here at some point yeah. we'll have to talk to her as well. She just graduated law school? Right? Yeah, no,
2: she's on her last year
1: right now. Last year law school and she's a very bright girl as well if you don't know her. She's a very very successful current world champion. And um but yeah, give us a little bit
2: of that dynamic. Yeah. Okay, so um since I was about twelve years old, we've been both training our whole life. She yeah. started at six, I started at four, and since about until I was like thirteen-ish, she smashed me every <laughs> training we did. Because she. At was, the time you
1: were thirteen. Yeah. Okay.
2: Like smashed me. She back. had the, the. She was like the physical edge early on. Yeah, she yeah, was yeah, a lot yeah. bigger than me yeah. and stronger, but like she used to bully me every <laughs> training. Like she would get mouth, block both my arms, and slap me in the yeah. face, yeah. like every day. Yeah. You know. So um. I always I always try to get revenge on her now when we yeah. train <laughs> for all those years. But, um, yeah, so yeah. Um, since I was younger, like, uh, we always trained with each other every day. Um, I used to, when I was a brown belt, I was in high school, and uh, she was in high school too. Um, I used to wake up at 4.30 a.m., and we had mats in our garage, and we would drill every morning before I went to school, you know. So I always had her as a drilling partner, and... And definitely, on paper, she's submitted me the most out of anyone ever. (laughs) I'll probably stay that way. And then, uh, what was amazing about Tammy is that she's in law school, right? And um, she literally had her finals the week before Worlds this year. She barely was training for Worlds at all. Wow. So, she finished her finals. I honestly didn't even know she was competing until, like, two weeks before. (laughs) And then... um, she finished her finals. She's like, let me just see how I feel after finals. So she finished her finals, and then she went in and fought at Blackpool Worlds. And um, and every a lot of people they make excuses about not winning worlds. Oh, I'm working full time. Oh, I'm in school. They just look for reasons that they can't win. Justify. And yeah. people don't like people that can succeed when they have those obstacles. Yeah. People like the people that win. That. Just live on the mats. Yeah. Why do Why do they like the people that live on the mats? Because that's their excuse. Oh, that's why you win. win. Oh, Oh, that's why you win. Yeah. So justifying their losses. So I see my sister as huge motivation for myself. You know how hard she works. She's always been my like role model. You know, like her her hard work, her discipline, and um, I've always looked up to her so much. And it shows me, and it should show everyone else not to think that mindset, and to show you that. She literally was training, like, twice a week, like, in school, every wow. day, dying. And she didn't want on and won Blackpool so, Worlds. That's incredible. You know, like, so, for, for me, it's a huge inspiration.
1: Yeah. Well, Mikey, like, this is, um, it's been an um,
2: enormous pleasure
1: talking Absolutely. to you. you got anything else you want to ask him? Like, I got so much, so much out of yeah. this. I feel like I got, like, oh, man, this is very interesting you look at that that way. And I've been looking forward to this for a while because I've known him for so long, but... We always talk briefly, you know, what happens. the first time I actually get to pick your brain. And I
2: think right. sometimes when I do, like, interviews and stuff, like, um, I'm uncomfortable because I'm very introvert. So, um, it's hard for me to open up sometimes. But because I know you and we're friends, uh, I, th- I feel like this interview is way better because I'm talking to you like I was just talking, like, in the yeah, house, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, just but normal. forget a camera. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, I think that I was able to say more of my feelings and stuff that usually I wouldn't be able to say because of that. Well, I think it was super cool. Thank mm. you. I'm
1: sure sure they appreciate it because this has been an incredible no interview.
0: no it's been very insightful and yeah. it's great to hear it. and i think if uh, again you're the future of martial arts we're in a good place right we're Thank making you. we're, you're the type of person i want as an ambassador i, of the, I was of just going to say that
1: exactly like don't change don't change <laughs> because we need more people like you mikey bjj is going in a very weird route and i always say this and i, I, I want to reinforce this yeah we talk. have to reinforce the good this is the good you know, and this is the kind, This is what you have to aspire to be like because, you know, you are a role model to a lot of people. People look up to you. Whether you realize it or not, there's a 12-year-old kid out there. Maybe you'll be the next guy to beat you. He's 12 now. You know what I'm saying? He's only like, like a stuffed animal. Yeah, exactly. He's the <laughs> only stuffed animal. He's, he's out for your head. But like that guy looks up to you, Mikey. And that guy wants to be you. So, you know, continue to be this amazing person you are. Thank you so and, much. And um, I will say this not, you know. I'm not really blowing smoke up your butt or anything, man. It really, I think you're the best American grappler of all time. Thank you. And you're on your way to be one of the best grapplers in history if you keep doing what you're doing because you have every single... Like I'm looking at the ingredients. When I'm actually, I'm looking at this. Like, what is missing? You have everything. Don't change.
2: Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. For sure, man. It's a pleasure oh, to have you on here. you have anything you would like to prom- promote? Uh, no. Um, just like what... Uh, Professor Dreister was saying, like, um, I view Jiu-Jitsu as one aspect of life, right? And being a black belt world champion in Jiu-Jitsu, we, we have to strive to be a black belt world champion in every aspect of life, right? So that's like how we should live. Right? We shouldn't be just to win a medal, and then in other aspects of life be so shitty, yeah. you know? So I feel like that's so important, and like, I hope that my career in Jiu-Jitsu, could, uh, people could see, and I could maybe change the shape, the, the scope of how people are, are doing things and not just to look for money it's Like talking crap on the internet, you know. It, to me, yeah. it's embarrassing, yeah. you know, because we're, we're, Jiu-Jitsu is supposed to be a classy sport. It isn't supposed to be low class like that, you know. And um, martial arts uh, teaches respects and respect and values, yes. you know. So even if you don't learn those values and respect in home, in your house, you should be learning it in the gym, yeah. you know. And without those, that respect and values, what are we? Exactly. You Thank, you.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Well said. Well, ended I on think
2: that, that that's,
1: note. <laughs> I ended on that note. What are we without those values? Thank you, Mikey. Thank you for being you. you. And uh, I want to do this again at some point. You know, Let's I'd like do to it have it. you back. Talk to your Sydney. Have your sister at some point yes. as well. And uh, yeah, it was a pleasure. I hope you guys enjoyed. And uh, yeah, off to the next one. <laughs> Thank you, guys.
0: Thank you for tuning into this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as me and Rob did. And if you haven't already, make sure you follow us on social media. Uh, our channel here is Breaking the Guard on Instagram and Facebook. And on Twitter and Snapchat, you can find us at Breaking Guard. And of course, uh, if you haven't visited our website, go to it now, which is breakingtheguard.com. And that has links to all those social media uh, uh, links and to our YouTube channel or podcast channels like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, and the rest of them. A final word from one of our sponsors, which is the Underhook series. The Underhook is probably the most powerful clinch in wrestling and takedowns in terms of ease of use and just versatility. And if you've seen old school UFCs Randy Couture made short work of a lot of people like Vitor Belfort just from dirty boxing from inside the underhook, as well as scoring takedowns, of course. So I explored this series in uh, using the underhook, starting with the basic setups and takedowns, going all the way into submission holds, uh, tricky setups. And this is really one of my favorite, well, obviously, it is my favorite clinch. I've used this to great success. I actually beat Cyborg uh, in the ADC absolute using our underhook and blasting him with a far knee block. So I'm, it's very near and dear to my heart. It's one of my best takedown series. So uh, you'll definitely want to take this in because, again, whether you're just doing a pure grappling game or you're into MMA, the underhook is a great clinch to work from. A lot of upside. So uh, you can visit the course by going to underhookvideo.com. Again, that's underhook video.com where you can see some free videos and of course order the course which is available in both DVD and online streaming formats.